We are back here at Human Events Daily, part of our America Fest series. Dr. Taylor Marshall joining us once again. This is part two of our discussion, War on Christianity. By the way, not the first time that I've interviewed you on the question of a war against Christianity, is it? We talked about the war on Christianity and President Donald Trump picked it up. Picked it up. Tweeted it. Tweeted, tweeted our out, show. Tweeted our show. So it was pretty awesome. And now his tweet about you and our show has been restored so we have to make sure we can go back there because back hey whenever Twitter. you want to sell books you gotta you, you need the you, you need that. The, yeah yep. that's good that's a good tweet to have but we're 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 recording this just before christmas this is going to air during the christmas break but dr marshall there's something that comes up every year and i fight back against it so hard on social media because i think that the war on christianity also created this this meme this narrative of a war on Christmas and the thing that they always throw in Christmas that is very subversive and I think it's part of the war on Christmas and I don't want to go full Bill O'Reilly but it's this idea that well you know Christmas is really just a pagan holiday and it's based on Saturnalia and Sol Invictus and the cult of the sun and the winter solstice and isn't that really what Christmas is all about and so a two-parter well let's start with this is that true? Was Christmas ever a pagan Roman holiday? Well, I mean, the interesting thing is they'll say, well, Constantine was trying to promote a sun cult. And so they, he tried to co-opt Christianity and put the birth of Jesus to the sun. But there were Christians celebrating the birth of Jesus on December 25th before Constantine. That's right. And also, if Constantine's trying to promote a cult of the sun, he's the emperor. He doesn't have to, like, sneak it in with the Christianity, which was a persecuted minority religion. Right, they never answer the question of, uh, if you are evangelizing a new religion and the government, right, the empire is right. slaughtering your people, why would you want to copy the people who were killing you? Exactly. Not, it, not, not, it doesn't, doesn't exactly bode well for, 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 the, uh, for, the, for the brochure. You yeah, know? exactly. I mean, a lot of the, those points just don't line up and make sense. And if you look at the gospel narrative in Luke. Yes. You look at the Day of Atonement, the birth of John the Baptist. Yes. The weather patterns, all the details that we have historically, a winter birth for Jesus Christ makes the most sense. Yes. It meets all the facts. I have a video on YouTube. Was Jesus born on December 25th? Yes, most likely. Check it out. All those facts line up. So historically, pre-Constantine, biblically, December birth. And when we say pre-Constantine, folks need to know, we're, we're talking a history of over 1,700 years. Yes. That Christians have been celebrating December 25th yes. as the birth of Christ. That's a pretty strong tradition. And yet the the pop culture aficionados, the, uh, you know, history, pop history blogs every year. Oh, Christmas was based on a pagan thing and it's not real. Why do they push that so hard? Well, ultimately, they know Christmas is a it's one of the top three Christian holidays. So it's it's permeated our culture. And it's the top it's the top cultural holiday. It is in America. And in so it's got to be happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, yeah, yeah, yeah. happy everything. You say Christmas, you say the word Christ, you say the word mass. That's not acceptable. It has to be pushed out. And so they're going to attack the foundation of it. Oh, it was pagan. Oh, it's not really the birth of Jesus. And it's based on Sol Invictus. And it's just gift giving, you know, and it's all these other holidays. It's seasons greetings. I mean, there's four seasons. Why is it seasons greetings? Yeah, right, right, it doesn't right. make any sense. That's pretty good. I, yeah, I mean, seasons greetings. Like, 
So yeah, it's an attack on Christianity and that basically they just want to mute the Christ out of Christmas. So, and, and, and I think that's big and people need to understand that there's a difference between sort of this idea of going through the motions of the secular holiday and actually understanding the truth behind what it is that we are celebrating this transformative, uh, almost extra, extra dimensional kind of mystic, spiritual, supernatural, obviously supernatural event. And they say, well, you can't explain that. You know, for a woman to be pregnant, she has certain things must occur. And and that why would we ever believe this? And we say, no, we know, right? That's yeah. the point, right? We, we're aware. How could a virgin birth ever occur? It's right. it, it, we, as, as Catholics and, and really Christians at large speak of a virgin birth, we know, and think about that, it is impossible. It is impossible. And that's the point. Yeah. It's a sign. Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall bear a child. Yes. I mean, and, and you think about it, you talk about the mystical and the supernatural. You think about Christmas and the incarnation of Christ. That is literally, literally the portal in the space-time continuing between heaven and yes. eternity and our created reality here on earth in a town that's a tiny town, Bethlehem, which means house of bread. I mean, that is the, the connection, the apex, the climax of history where God enters into the space-time continuum through a virgin. Yes. It's completely profound. It's completely miraculous. I mean, trying to water it down into something natural. We actually make visited, um, and, and for, for folks who watched our, our Holy Land special, uh, they saw that we actually visited the Church of the Annunciation yes. in Nazareth, and they have there in Latin everywhere, here the word was made yes. flesh. Verbum caro factum est. Hick, here, here, Hick, here, here, right here, here. This was the spot. The it's not a myth. Grotto. It's a right. historical fact in a place. And they will do anything. The enemies of the church will do anything to chip away at that. And they've been trying this for 2000 years to deny it, to deny your faith, to make you think, well, it's a it's a cultural practice. It's a tradition. Right. It's a fun. It's a myth. You know, it's a, a fun myth to, to share. And it's and, and a lot of this goes back, by the way, and I don't want to switch gears in a second, but all of this goes back, and we talked about this in the Halloween special we had mm -hmm. you on. By the way, great numbers on that. Yeah, that was great. Otherwise, I wouldn't have invited you back. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. And um, they want you to go into this comparative politics history, which was a, a school of thought that came up you know, we talk about Marcuse, we talk about uh, the cultural Marxist, the rise of uh, Gramsci and some of these others, but comparative religion also came up at the same time. And it was part of the, the, the school of thought of Darwin, right. where this new evolutionary view of everything. And so if, if, if nature was evolutionary, then religion must have been evolutionary. And so, you know, the Christians are basing it on the Jews. The Jews are basing it on the Babylonians. The Babylonians are basing it on the Syrians. And it goes back to Gilgamesh. And it's, yep. it's all just, you know, a bunch of rehashing and adding things out. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. when, when if you actually look and, and by the way, at discoveries that we now have historical and archaeological discoveries that we've seen now, that's, that's not the case whatsoever, because in the ancient world, there were religions upon religions, gods upon gods. The one thing they wouldn't find, by the way, is atheists. That's why atheists aren't yeah, mentioned yeah. in the Bible, because right. they didn't exist. <laughs> um, but 
uh, the idea that you would you would build off of something, I mean, it actually doesn't make any sense if you understand the history of, of the era, but I want to ask you, while I have you on for the show, another tack on the war on Christianity, because we talk a lot about the war on Christianity from within society. I, I think most people get that. I think a lot of yeah. people see it. They understand there's only one religion that you're allowed to mock, that you're allowed to ridicule. There's only one holy family or holy figure that you're allowed to mock and ridicule. But, and, and it might be a, 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 a controversial question, but have elements of this war on Christianity found their way into the church itself? Yes. I mean, you think about the origin of the universe. God created angels, and we believe that a third of those angels rebelled, rebelled. They fell, and they became yes. demons. Right, right. They once were good, they became bad. And so if you think about, like, if you were a rebellious angel with a magnificent intellect, where would you want to be? Would you want to be on the outside of the church, or would you want to be in the intimate thoughts and hearts of the people trying to serve God? Well, this is uh, screw tape letters. Exactly, screw yeah. tape letters. You would want to be at ground zero of right. the most important spiritual decisions, the most important saintly people. You would want to be there. And you look at like the life of Christ, one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, That's right. betrayed him. It was an inside job. And ever since then, it's almost always been an inside job. And so I think the war on Christianity, yes, we have attacks on the outside like Napoleon Bonaparte and whatnot, but the most insidious, the most powerful are the attacks on the inside of the church. These are the Judas Iscariot attackers and I, I'm, the church. I'm actually going to put you on the spot here because there is, there is a theory and there are rumors regarding the, the third secret of Fatima mm -hmm. that, and I know you write about this in your book, yeah. Infiltration, that there is a very good chance that the reason that the third secret of Fatima was not revealed on schedule yes. and that what did eventually come out was some watered down mamby-pamby yeah, thing was that in fact the third secret of Fatima may be referring to infiltration of the church. Yeah, so in 1917 there was this beautiful apparition of these three peasant children in Portugal and there's a series of three secrets, messages for the world and the third was a big one. And it was supposed to be released in 1960. That's right. And the whole world, there was a, the New York Times was reporting on this, a front page, the th release of the third secret. And in 1960, Pope John XXIII said, I'm not releasing it, even though it was supposed to be released. He said, it's not for our time. And it was put in a drawer and locked up. And people have wondered- Just before Vatican II. Just before Vatican II, just before the changes in liturgy, changes in sacraments, all kinds of revolutionary things in the monasteries and the convents and the seminaries all over the world. And that seems to point, I mean, even if you didn't know about the Third Secret of Fatima, you can kind of look at the trajectory from the 1960s, like we have been circling the drain. There's been a downward spiral right. since the 1960s baptisms, marriages, ordinations, just pick a demographic, they all went down. The only one that went up was annulments. Wow. Everything else is down. Wow. And and, and, and and that idea of an infiltration of the church, what are some of the things that we could potentially look to, if, if that indeed were the theory of the case, what are outward signs that we could potentially look to in order to see that? And, and, and look, I'm just going to say it, you know, there are 
for a lot of older Catholics, for a lot of older members of the church, there is a, or was, I, I should say, a, a belief that you should never, ever criticize the Pope. Mm -hmm. Never criticize, and, and for folks who are listening that, that aren't Catholic, um, that you just have to understand that there, there was a reverence, there a, was. an esteemed reverence for the Pope. And by the way, and, and I will always say this, you must respect the office. You absolutely must respect the chair. But that being said, this current occupant and the way that, look, Catholics have had bad popes in, in, in history, right? right. Obviously, we're, we're, we're humans. Yes. Um, but obviously that doesn't negate uh, the history of the church, but also it, 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 there are things this man says, there are actions that he takes that will cause even the most fervent believer in the Pope great pause. Yes. Yeah, I, I honestly think that the pontificate of Pope Francis, who's the current Pope, uh, is problematic for a lot of people because they see things that are aligned with the EU, the UN, the World uh, Economic Green Forum. Theology, World Economic Forum, Davos, yes. uh, Liberation Theology. I mean, just the, the, the evils of our time in the globalist movement. Uh, we could talk about medical treatments as well. Yep. All that stuff he's involved in, either directly or has appointed people to be directly in it. And then you also just look at, for example, ex-Cardinal McCarrick. He was the Cardinal Archbishop of DC, the most important cleric in America. And he was a child molester and he was an embezzler and he was enabled by the Vatican. So that right there is just explicit testimony that there's something rotten, there's something cancerous in the Vatican. And I, you can be a Catholic and, and and admit that it doesn't undermine our faith. There are bad clergy, bad popes, because it kind of goes back to the whole idea of Judas. I mean, in the, the inner circle, you can have betrayal. Even even Christ had an infiltrator. The way I exactly. always put it too, as well, is that uh, when I see corruption in my government, when I see corruption in yes. my country, I want to uh, resolve that. I want to hold those people accountable. It doesn't make me tear up the American flag. Exactly. It doesn't make me tear up my passport, my citizenship. I love my country. That's right. It doesn't change the fact that my country was founded by George Washington and some of the greatest humans to ever live. And I do believe this country was anointed and that God was present in the founding. I just believe that. Um, and uh, at the same time, that doesn't negate me wanting to speak out against Joe Biden or Barack Obama or, or any politician. Yeah. I even people in my family aren't Catholic, but like, look at everything going on in the church. How could you love the church? Like, I was like, well, do you love America? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I love America. I was like, so you love Joe Biden and everything he does? Well, no, because you have to realize the leadership and the, everything that the leadership does does not correspond to the people, the patrim the patrimony and the legacy of what a nation is. Well, this, this I think for a lot of people and some folks don't understand the backstory, we had an issue that just came up, no. Father Pavone. Oh my you know, goodness. This, this, oh my goodness. You know, a, a direct defrocking yes. of a priest in a, in a, essentially a secret trial yes. was held. And by the way, for, for folks that aren't familiar with, uh, with the church and the inner workings, uh, how often does something like this occur? Well, there's so defrocking, a full defrocking. Yeah. Defrocking is you're a priest and we are removing you from the priestly status. So you're not a pastor, you're not a father, you don't wear the collar, you don't wear the cassock, you don't say mass, you don't preach, you don't do baptism, you're just done. You are canceled. Often there are men who voluntarily say, you know, I'm, this is not for me, I'm discerning out, I want to leave. 
Okay, that happens somewhat commonly. But where they intervene and point at a guy and they're like, you are out, is very rare. I mean, you look at a guy like ex-Cardinal McCarrick, he went on decades of committing criminal deeds and was not directly laicized or defraud. Father Frank Pavone, a couple of, of maybe mistakes, but like you said, not even communicated directly to him. And they're like, by the way, you're out. So for, for folks who don't know the situation, Father Pavone was the head of Priest for Life since yes. all the way back in 1993, was a Trump supporter, um, was very vocal, but is I, I, about I would say the he's the number movement. one pro-life priest he in was, America he was the face, and maybe in the world. Really the face of the pro-life movement for the Catholic Church. Absolutely, and, and, the and, face. And, and everybody you, knows, yeah. you know, Church is pro-life, obviously, but this guy was the main guy, the main priest. We wake up one night. I got. I, I'm actually gonna say it. I got a text from Steve Bannon. Says Pasovic, you got to find out what's going on here. Get me Dr. Marshall, yeah. because Father Pavone, all of a sudden, without any warning, without any public hearings or uh, build up to it whatsoever, gone finito overnight. Yeah. Loses his status as a priest. Yes. And he found out about it from the media. Found out about it from the media. He didn't even get a letter from the Ro- from Rome. So why, if, if and, and and when I look at the situation and they blamed it on, they said he was he was overzealous in his defense, uh, essentially in his defense of life, in his defense of yes. children. If even if that were the case, and I say this as a as a prior military officer, if I've got someone who's who means well mm-hmm. and is trying to accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. And even if they've strayed a little bit from the path, I don't kick them out of the military. Right. Right. I I, I, I try to correct them. I try to bring them in. I, I might request reassignment in some cases, but to kick them out completely for trying to accomplish the mission it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Why well, would the Vatican do this? Well, you have to understand, and I'm going to be a little controversial and spicy here. I do think there's collusion between Joe Biden and Pope Francis. Wow. They're on the same team. Francis allowed Joe Biden to use footage of himself in his campaign. So, I mean, for a Catholic, oh, the Pope's with Joe Biden. I'm going to vote for him. So there was this collusion going on. And Frank Pavone was wearing a red MAGA hat. He was promoting Trump because of the pro-life. He wanted Roe v. Wade to be overturned. And look what happened. It happened. And it did. So Frank Pavone, Father Frank Pavone was pushing for that. And so he did have, I think, some some misdeeds here. You know, he, he said GD. Joe Biden. And he said, I shouldn't have said that. I went to confession. I shouldn't have said that. I was heated up. But he was identifying Joe Biden as a so-called Catholic who is promoting and defending Roe v. Wade. And that just infuriated Father Frank Pavone to see the Pope and Joe Biden linked up in the murder of babies. Yes. So he, he spoke too much. And then, so I think he did maybe make some imprudential judgments and though they were used to trump up against him trump up against him and dismiss him and i think it's really unfortunate because you look around at all these priests who have done horrible things molested children there was a case this past week father rutnik a jesuit who had sexual relations with nine nuns with the details called gruesome he was excommunicated and within hours the report is Pope Francis removed his excommunication. Now, now Pope Francis, and, and and this is something that's happened. When I say Jesuit, to most people, they think 
colleges, right. you yeah. might think missionary work. That's not quite the Jesuit order today, though, is it? And Pope Francis is our first Jesuit pope. He's the first one that's ever, the only Jesuit yeah. pope that's ever existed. Why is it that when I see a Father James Martin, when I see Pope Francis, when I hear stories like this, and it's become sort of an internet meme, uh, oh, right. the Jesuits are at it again. What is going on with this priestly order? So the Jesuits were founded in the 1500s. They were founded to be like the Navy SEALs of the Catholic Church. Right. They were missionaries. They went to India. They went to China. They, and they have an incredible history. Yeah, like the movie The Mission, where they're like climbing waterfalls yeah, 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 to yeah. go evangelize Native people. Like that was the most masculine, hardcore order that you could be in. The Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. And they were also known for being intellectual giants. Like priests go to seminary, but like the Jesuits all had like doctorates. They were like manly men, athletic, and just immense intellects. And something happened in the early 1900s, an infiltration, where the Jesuit institutions became more and more modernized and liberalized. Hmm. So by the time you get to the 16th, the 60s and the 70s, I personally think it's it's the secularization of the universities that sort of permeated into the Jesuit order as they became more secular, that because they were such intellectual clergy, they became more liberal. So the Jesuits are rich, they are powerful, they have academic credentials, and as a result, they've been able to influence not just the Catholic Church, the whole world, and right now they have their first Jesuit Pope who is promoting a lot of the liberal modernist agenda. And it seems that Francis is Jesuit, is protecting and promoting Jesuits, whether they're good guys or bad guys. You're a Jesuit, pat on the back. Wow. Come on up higher. Wow. That's what we're seeing. And 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 this, and, and I say I hear this from so many people that will come up to me because I'm I'm open about my faith, I'm open about praying the rosary every day. And I have people come to me and they say, I went to a Catholic church for the first time because of you. Or you know, I, I I tried praying the rosary the first time because you know, I really liked it. I want to get into it more. Yeah. I say that's great. That's that's amazing. But they and then they say, but that pope, that pope you guys have, I just I can't get past it. I, I hear it every week. Really. And uh, I think we need to remember. You know, the pope. And by the way, I, I I don't do what I do to as as a Catholic evangelist. Right. But I do say I, I'm also willing to say, look, this is where I stand on politics. This is where I stand. This is my religion. I'm not trying to hide anything. This is who I am. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Pope for us is the successor of St. Peter. Peter yes. was the number one apostle. He's kind of the, the head of everybody, of the, of the 12 apostles. Almost like a rock. He was a rock. <laughs> he was the rock. He was the Kepha, the Peter. So, I mean, but Peter wasn't perfect. He denied our Lord three times. That's right. Uh, he sunk in the water when he was walking on the water. I mean, Peter was a flawed man. So as Catholics, yes. we, we don't expect our Pope to be sinless. We don't expect him to be a prophet or a miracle worker. We expect him to be a leader and to protect the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yes. That is the role of the Pope. And so have there been bad Popes? Yes. Have there been great saintly Popes? Yes. And unfortunately in our time, one of the crosses we have to bear as Catholics is our Pope does not seem to be a zealous defender. I, I want a Pope that will simply come out and say, the, uh, the church has had a problem. There were sinners, there were infiltrators. We're going to clean it up, yes. full on internal investigations. Uh, we're going to root this out. We're going to root out this corruption. And by the way, if there are people that want to continue following 
the traditional right of the mass yes. that we are going to allow that. And by the way, not only is there nothing wrong with it, but we actively encourage following the uh, nearly 2000 year history of the church. And, and go one further and have the Pope actually celebrate the traditional Why not? and the liturgies, right? Why not? And, and how about this? The Pope says, you know what's number one? Jesus Christ. I like, thought that's what be, it was supposed to be. But can we have him say that? Like, instead of talking about, you know, vaccines, vaccines and global and climate warming change and immigration, and global, yeah, yeah. let's say, you know what? It's all about Jesus Christ. Let's get back to that. I think the world is crying out for that. Dr. Taylor Marshall, the two books now, uh, it's Infiltration, Antichrist and Apocalypse. Where can people follow you? What are your coordinates? Uh, TaylorMarshall.com and uh, my podcast, probably the best way is on YouTube, Dr. Taylor Marshall Podcast. Taylor Marshall, always a All pleasure. All right, always, always a pleasure, always.